It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, Jabari Smith Jr. hitting the biggest shot of his career, the game winner Friday against the New Orleans Pelicans. Jalen Green with a pair of back-to-back really impressive superstar caliber performances, including a 40-piece Alperin Shingun going head-to-head with Jonas Valanciunas. All that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Give me your thoughts on the Jabari Smith Jr. game winner. Give me your thoughts on Jalen Green, his back-to-back superstar caliber performances in these two games against the Pelicans. I want to know how you feel about all that. Tell me about Alperin Shingun taking it to Jonas Valanciunas, two of the a couple of the best defensive performances or at least effort-wise best defensive performances from Alperin Shingun this season. We're going to unpack all of that and more. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, in the gym, on your lunch break. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every day. What this was such a jam packed weekend for the Houston Rockets to start on. Such a high note, kind of ending the week on a high note, right? They go 3-0, and they pick up their third, first time that they've recorded three wins in a row all season against the Pelicans on Friday night, uh, St. Paddy's Day, a little, you know, a little luck of the Irish at play, uh, if you will. And man, that game, the way that it ended with the Jabari Smith Jr. game-winning three-pointer after so much of the back and forth and back and forth in that game where the Pelicans roar out to this big lead and Brandon Ingram can't miss a single shot. Pelicans look unstoppable. Then their bench unit checks in and Willie Green starts doing some really weird stuff with his bench lineups and the Pels completely crater and the Rockets come roaring back at the end of the first quarter. Thankfully to uh, Tari Eason, credit to Tari Eason and Jay Shantate, two of the big reasons why the Rockets, you know, kind of a shot in the arm for Houston, if you will, got them back into the game. And then they go back and forth throughout the rest of the game, right? The starters for the Pels come back in and the Rocket starters still look a little lethargic. And I, the Rockets were down by as many as 15 in the fourth quarter of that game before things really started to 
shift and the momentum really started to favor the Rockets in that final push, final run of the game for them to really get back into it. And you had two huge moments at the end of the game. You had the Jalen Green curling what was, it looked in real time like it was a three-pointer and then it was eventually, it was actually ruled a two-pointer back when the referees went and, you know, reviewed it, looked back at the tape and they, they subtracted a point off the board for the Rockets. So, it was originally a three-pointer that tied the game up for Houston. And then they took that point away after the Pels came down. They tried to do, you know, they tried to score on their final possession. And then you get the ball to Jabari Smith Jr. on the final play of the game. The this the the play wasn't even designed for Jabari at that point, right? Steven Silas talked about it post-game. And he said that the play was designed to get Jalen or Scoot the ball. And he mentioned that he that Jay Sean Tate was his inbounder and Tate's like looking for Jalen, looking for Scoot. He's, you know, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and he can't get it to either of them. Looks across the court at Steven Silas and like trying to ask him what to do. And Jabari is out here near the half court line and he like flashes open for the ball and Silas apparently mouthed to him, yes, like, like pass it to Jabari. Tate throws it into Jabari. Jabari dribbles up, elevates, hit the shot. And it was game over. I mean, well, there was, there was, oh, it's almost game over. The cherry on top comes in just a, you know, a moment after that. But the exhilaration from the crowd, from the players, everything about that moment was so insanely special. For Jabari Smith Jr., who just not but a handful of games ago had the biggest shot of his career as a Houston Rocket, the game-tying three-pointer to send the Rockets-Pacers game to overtime, that was the biggest shot of his career. Then he hits this shot, the new biggest shot of his career. And he even, post-game, right, he goes, I'm built for this, this is what I've been doing my whole life. Like, the amount of confidence that this will give him moving forward is so so important right for for somebody who has kind of struggled through a lot of the rookie season for a guy who is as much of a perfectionist as Jabari can be at times this game was arguably largely kind of a forgettable game for Jabari he had eight points going into that final shot and then he drills the game winner and suddenly this becomes his game, right? He's able to give the game ball to his dad after the fact. I mean, you know, so he he finished with just 11 points. He had 11 points, eight boards, one assist, one steal, one block, only a couple turnovers. Not a, not a terrible overall game, but, you know, four of seven shooting going into that final game winner. And, I, I you know, it's one of those things where you would have liked to see Jabari be a bit more involved offensively throughout the game. Although in this one, LP, KPJ, Jalen, they did, you know, a majority of the heavy lifting scoring wise. And so they're just, you know, at the, sometimes there's just not enough shots to go around, right? LP took 17 attempts, KPJ 14, Jalen 20, and all three of those guys had really strong games in their own right. So who's to say, oh, well, you know, some LP shots or some of Kevin's shots, whatever. Like, no, all three of them performed and had, really, really solid, overall efficient games. And Jabari then answered the call when he needed to in the closing moments of that game, elevated, drained to the three, gave the Rockets the 114-112 lead. And then the cherry on top was Boban Marjanovic defending 
the inbounds play and the fact that he, with his just monstrous frame and size, was able to get just just a fingertip on the basketball, which then triggered the game clock. And so the lob play that the uh, yeah, hang on, where, where's our where's our patented um, lob threat? There we go. The lob threat play that the Pelicans were trying to run to tie things up there at the very end of that Friday night game uh, was null and void because Boban was able to tip the pass. And it was really funny not having Boban in Miami probably cost the Rockets that game because at the time he was he was cut in the aftermath of the trade deadline uh, and wasn't technically signed. So that's why the Rockets weren't able to use him on that play as the inbounds defender. Uh, and it's funny to see it actually work out in this game. So a huge win by the Rockets against a Pels team that definitely wanted to win this game. And that's why these three wins this past week were special, right? Rockets go three and one with wins against the Celtics, who are at the top of the Eastern Conference and definitely wanted to win that game, against the Lakers, who are still fighting for their playoff lives, and against the Pelicans, who are very much still in the playoff picture, But you've got these teams that want to win these games dropping important games to the Rockets. These are the wins that I can totally get behind. The the Rockets going 3-0 to start that week, and then they drop the final against the Pelicans. We'll unpack some of that one in just a moment. These types of wins are huge motivation boosters for this group of guys, right? They can do so much for the confidence of this group of guys, but there's a reason why the Spurs games felt kind of bad, right? Because those... You didn't feel anywhere near as good after the two Spurs wins as you did after the Celtics game or the Lakers game or even the Pels game because all three of those teams are still fighting to win. They're still trying to win these games. They're still putting their best foot forward so you can feel extra confident after one of those wins, whereas the Spurs, they were just rolling out whatever lineups and they were content to lose those games. That's why I was so frustrated with those two Spurs wins because now... As you're racking up some extra wins here at the end of the season, as things are starting to coalesce and this Rockets roster is starting to find a groove and maybe picking up some extra W's, some unexpected W's here at the end of the season, then it may actually wind up impacting your draft lottery odds. But with that, Jabari Smith Jr., biggest shot of his career, game winner Friday night against the Pelicans. Coming up, I do want to talk about Jalen Green and his back-to-back superstar caliber performances against the Pelicans because that's exactly what they were, including a 40-piece in what was the loss Sunday evening against the Pels. Also about Alperin Shingun and him really taking the challenge, going head-to-head, literally head-to-head with Jonas Valanciunas. We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, what about Jalen Green to score more than 25.5 points? How about Alper and Shingun to have less than 10.5 rebounds? What about Kevin Porter Jr. to have more than 5.5 assists? Or how about Jabari Smith Jr. to have more than 2.5 three-pointers made? So, what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you for everything. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. 
So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's shift the focus here to none other than Mr. Number four here himself, Jalen Green, because he had an outstanding pair of games against the New Orleans Pelicans. And first off, I do want to highlight it is it is really, really hard, especially for a young team to play the same team back to back times. Um, it's a great learning opportunity because the team that they're facing will then, uh, of course, make adjustments. They'll rebound. They'll, they'll they'll come back with a different game plan, especially if it's a loss the first time through. Or even if it's a win the first time through, sometimes they just hammer in on the things that they did even better. Like you can think all the way back to early this season, the, the back-to-back games they played against the Denver Nuggets in Denver, right? First game was actually kind of competitive and the Rockets were sort of in it until like the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. And... Then the Nuggets blew the thing wide open. And then the second game was just ugly because the Nuggets figured out all the pressure points, all the weaknesses to expose on this Rockets team. That's kind of what it felt like in this back-to-back slate of games against the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Rockets get the uh, the upset win, if you will, Friday night, the Jabari Smith game winner, all of that fantastic dub. And then Sunday happens, and it feels a bit the same where, like, the Pell starters were outplaying the Rockets starters, but then that shot in the arm that the Rockets got from Tari Eason and Jay Sean Tate in the Friday game wasn't quite there in this game on Sunday. And so the Rockets just, at no point, they kind of had, like, this, this like, lethargic play to them. They only had a 16-point second quarter they really woke up there in the third quarter and it felt like, and that's kind of where it started to feel like they were making it a game again and they had a, a pretty strong push in the fourth to try and, and really get back into this one. But across the line for the Pelicans, I mean, they made a noticeable adjustment and a point, I guess, to try and get Jonas Valanciunas a bit more involved offensively. Brandon Ingram had it going again. He dropped 26. CJ McCollum couldn't miss. He had 26 points and he was cooking early. Uh, 9 of 18 shooting for CJ, and then Trey Murphy, 14 points. So, I mean, just across the board, their starters were all on fire in this game. And then you flip the script on the Rockets' side. Uh, Jalen Green and KPJ both had really big games. Jalen had a 40-piece. KPJ had 25 points. But aside from that, only one other Houston Rocket broke double digits. That was Tari Eason with 10 points off the Rockets' bench. But everybody else, single-digit scoring. Across the the Rockets bench, Garuba one point, Tate two points, Josh Christopher four points, and then at no point in this game did it feel like Al P was able to get it going. It's a, it was a really quiet night for KJ Martin, really quiet night. First bad game in a while for Jabari Smith Jr. Just eight points on two of ten shooting, missed all four of his his three pointers. So 
you go from a game where the bench really kind of helped you get back into things on Friday, Jabari hits the game winner, really balanced scoring affair from your big three with Jalen, KPJ, Alpi, your, your big offensive trio, if you will, to this game where, where Jalen and KPJ were the only two guys who had it going offensively. And maybe some of that was because they were taking a majority of the shots, but it was also because of how the Pels were kind of defending stuff and they were really packing the paint, really forcing the Rocket shooters to try and beat them. And the Rocket shooters can't really beat anybody, unfortunately. Just 9 of 33 shooting, 27.3%. Uh, the Rockets thrived because they got to the free throw line. And that's how they stuck around in this game for as long as they did. 36 of 38 shooting at the charity stripe in this one. Shout out to Ryan Hollins who cursed... Uh, who cursed, I believe it was Alper and Shingoon at the charity stripe and Alpi missed a free throw and Craig Ackerman let Ryan have it. Um, come on, Ryan, you got to know better than that, man. But Rockets with some really impressive free throw shooting and Jalen Green in this one with an absurd, and we're, we're talking about the 40 piece first, but I do want to talk about as well his, his, his play against the Pels in the win, just because two back-to-back phenomenal games from Jalen Green. 40 points on 11 of 22 shooting, 4 of 9 from long distance, 14 of 14 at the charity stripe. Let me say that again. 14 trips, and Jalen hit all 14 of those shots at the free throw line. A couple of them were technical free throws. He had four rebounds, he had an assist, he had a steal, a couple turnovers, Really, really strong game on his way to a 40-piece in what was eventually the loss against the Pelicans. And then on Friday, his game against the Pelicans, another really strong performance. 25 points on 10 of 20 shooting. Was one of seven from the three-point line, but was four of six at the charity stripe. Seven boards, six assists, one steal, and only one turnover in 40 minutes of run. The one of seven from Friday night's game, little concerning, but you look at, you do the math on that. That means he was 9 of 13 inside the arc. He was getting to the rim. He was getting to his mid-range. He was getting inside the arc. And he's added this little, like, floater to his game that I feel like he's good for at least, like, once per game now where he drives going, you know, either left to right or right to left. And he elevates with this floater. And it's it's kind of awkward because he, like, he... I don't know if Jalen can palm the ball or not, but he like kind of like grabs the ball and rises and and brings it up where it's like against his forearm and then kind of like floats the ball. It's almost like a shot put sort of. But he hit he hit one of those in the game Friday. He hit one of those in the game Sunday. He's just getting so much more comfortable in how he attacks defenses, even when they adjust. Because in the game Friday, he had a lot more space to work with, right? The spacing was a lot better. The Pels hadn't quite gotten to the point where they were collapsing and packing the paint like crazy. But then in the Sunday game, that was the adjustment the Pelicans made is they packed the paint like crazy. They were not staying home on shooters. They were trying to close off these driving lanes. And because of that, Jalen wound up having a field day getting to the free throw line because he was driving through at times two and sometimes three defenders on his way to the hole, initiating contact and just really forcing the issue, trying to make something happen. So seeing Jalen in real time, see that, see that adjustment, understand how to attack it, and then find different ways to attack defenses has been 
one of his biggest tests. The it, it's it, it is his test all season long, right? Jalen Green is number one on the opposing team scouting report. How does he handle that, right? How does he handle the adversity? How does he handle being stuck with the opposing team's best defender every single night? I thought he honestly did a really really strong job, despite the fact that Herb Jones, um, winning impactful player, all defensive caliber, Herb Jones was was checking him in these games. Uh, I could not be more pleased with with Jalen's impact and he kind of in the Sunday game, it was more the traditional like, okay, Jalen is a bucket and he's going to score and he's going to, you know, try to put the team on his shoulders uh, by, by just scoring an absurd amount, which is what he's good for, right? That's, that's what we know he can do. But in the Friday game, it felt like a true all around superstar performance because not only was Jalen scoring the ball at an efficient rate, but he was rebounding. He was facilitating. And the biggest thing, he was defending. He was breaking up plays. He was getting into guys defensively. It, it was it was one of the better defensive performances from Jalen Green all season. And we've seen the consistent individual flashes where there's moments where you see Jalen really lock in defensively, and you're like, oh, like okay, maybe he can be a two way player one day. He's got all the skills to achieve that, and he and the the. Best part is he wants to be a two-way player one day, right? He talks about it all the time. He has grown and developed a lot defensively. There's still moments, yes, where he he has a you know a, he mistimes a rotation or he you know doesn't realize where he's supposed to be on the court. That's fine. Those are going to get better with time, right? You're seeing all the all the reads and and the growth that he's had, the exponential growth that he's made offensively in just under two years as an offensive player, right? Understanding how teams are covering him and how to attack certain defenses. That same level of game processing speed that he does on the offensive end, it will also help translate to the defensive end, right? His ability to recognize in real time, oh, this adjustment here, I switch here, or I go here. The anticipation factor is going to do wonders for him as as the game continues to slow down as he gets more and more reps, I would not be shocked if by year four or five, Jalen Green is like a bona fide two-way player, somebody who does impact the game defensively. And that's honestly my favorite is we know Jalen is a bucket, right? But when Jalen is able to impact the game in other ways, right? With his rebounding, with his playmaking, setting teammates up, with his defense, when he's able to find those other ways to impact the game, that's how you know he's going to be a superstar one day. Because it's, it's one thing if you're a one-dimensional player and all you can do is score, or all you can do is rebound, or all you can do is playmake, all you can do is defend. But when you can start layering all those different things together in one player, that's when you know you have a future superstar on your hands. And that's why when we see those glimpses from Jalen, it excites me even more than the 40-burger that he had, right? Because that's what a future superstar looks like. With that, I do want to talk about Alperin Shingun going head-to-head with Jonas Valanciunas. Some really impressive defense from Alperin Shingun in these couple of New Orleans Pelicans games. We're going to get there as well as some extra you know, thoughts, notes, all that. And we got to hit a tankathon spin because the Rockets did pick up one more L most recently in the Sunday matchup. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And this week's most electric player has to go to Jalen Green, who helped lead the Rockets with his electric play to a 3-1 record this past week, averaging 26 points per game, 6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.3 steals in 4 games, averaging about 39.5 minutes per contest. Look, 
we've seen Jalen begin to kind of grow and flourish just every single game that he goes out there. Jalen Green is the definition of an electric player. I could give this award to him every single week. He plays with this, like, just elegance to his game at times and he also has like the stunningly powerful dunks when he gets loose in transition all that but there's now like a duality to Jalen's game right where he's got the craft he's got the finesse but then he's starting to understand how to just brute force it sometimes right where sometimes he does just have to drive and draw a foul and initiate contact and force the issue right make the referees blow the whistle we're seeing that now from Jalen Green with the 14 the 14 free throws the 14 trips to the charity stripe against the Pelicans in this most recent game so if you need more electricity in your life, you can check out the new 2023 Nissan Aria that packs pinned to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by a Built Bar because the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff flavor, and now is the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'm going to be voting for the Coconut Brownie Chunk. That is my personal favorite Built Bar, but you really can't go wrong with any flavor on their menu. And so the flavor that you love the most, you need to go vote for right now. And when you vote, for your favorite bar or puff flavor, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bar. Not only that, one Locked On fan, one lucky fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have the best Built Bars and or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the market. Seriously, they are so amazing, you won't even think that they're good for you. For starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, covered in 100% chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And you can check them out. Just run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's talk a little Alperin Shin Goon. Because, oh, well, where's my, there it is. Okay, I'll put in Shangon. Because in these pair of back-to-back games against the Pelicans, I, I'll be completely honest, in that first, like the first stint of the first quarter of the first meetup between these two teams, uh, I was a little frustrated with, with Al P and like how he was, how Jonas was kind of getting whatever he wanted in that first stint. It felt like, you know, rebounds, scoring, um, felt like very little resistance from Al P defensively. And then Garuba checks in, and Garuba's way too small to deal with Valanciunas. And then Steven Silas went and opted for Boban, you know, to try and check Valanciunas, which I called sitting in Toyota Center. I was sitting behind some guys, and I like we were talking about the game, and I was like, "Hey, careful, you know," because one of them commented that Garuba was too small to guard Valanciunas, and I was like, "Careful saying that because Steven's going to go to Boban," and then sure enough, he did because he's done that multiple times this season where he's just like, "Oh, there's a big guy out there dominating." Get Boban in there. Like, that's... So, anyways. But then Shingun came back into the game. And I felt like every subsequent moment that he was on the court with Valanchunas there, from there on out in the rest of that game, and including Sunday's game, I thought he did a fantastic job effort-wise and actually at times, you know, even defensively, like making stops, right? Making the right reads, uh, boxing out, rebounding, dealing with the mountain that is... Jonas Valanciunas in these games. Uh, in the first meetup between these two teams, Shingun had 17 points, 11 boards, one assist, two steals, a couple turnovers, eight of 17 shooting, and he hit a three-pointer. Didn't make it to the free throw stripe once in that first game. 
And then in the second game, Shingun posted 9.7 boards, six assists, one steal, one block, no turnovers on just three of eight shooting. Did miss two three-pointers, and he had three of four at the charity stripe. Uh, he was kind of flirting with a triple-double a little bit there in the second game between these two teams. They weren't letting the guys be nearly as physical, or they weren't letting Shingun be nearly as physical in the second meetup. Shingun ultimately fouling out uh, of this game. The last two whistles that Shingun got were just awful. I mean, like, you know, just these are two, these are two big guys. Let them play a little bit, right? If, if Valanchunas is going to try and post up Shingun, let them be a little physical with one another. But I, I really did think that there were a couple moments where, and we've seen this at times from Shingun throughout this season, throughout his career, is he'll get got by another player, right? Either, either you know, he'll get muscled muscled on down low or, or out-hustled for a rebound or whatever, just, you know, or player makes a nice move on him. And then he comes down and he just puts the blinders on. like, And all he sees is, like, he's like a bull and he sees red, right? And he's just going straight at that player to try and get the better of him. And he's so insanely talented. Sometimes he does, right? Like sometimes he'll get, he'll get boomed by a guy and then he'll come down on the next play and do like the, the Turkish tornado spin goon, whatever, and score on him right back and get the two points back. And you're like, Oh my God, Alpi's so talented. But then sometimes he does it. And it's like, it turns into an ugly turnover or the defense collapses. And it's got like three guys all wrapped around him and he's got nowhere to go with the ball. And that happened a few times in this meetup with Valanciunas, right? Like, both these guys felt like they were kind of getting into each other's head at times. But ultimately, I think Shingun really messed with Valanciunas more than Valanciunas messed with Shingun. Like, there were a couple moments where, you know, Valanciunas got the better of Shingun, and then Shingun comes down on the other end and makes a bad decision, or he's, you know, playing playing stupidly, whatever. But by and large, Valanciunas looked like he was pressed about Shingun. Like, Valanciunas looked like he was like, what... How is this Turkish kid like out rebounding me? How is he boxing me out? How is he scoring on me? I should be putting up numbers on this kid. Like Valanciunas looked pissed and frustrated for most of these games. Um, and again, it culminated right with with these two guys kind of going at each other, getting into their getting into each other's faces, all that. Uh, I really like Shingun's response. Right, Shingun doesn't back down from anybody. The kid is fearless. His confidence is one of his best skills as a player. We talk about Jabari, like, and how at times his confidence looks like it's a little shaken or, like, you know, maybe his confidence takes a hit when he starts missing shots, hanging in his head, things like that, because he's a perfectionist. I don't know if Shingun's ever, like, Shingun's confidence is just, the dude so much believes in himself every single game he steps on the court, whether it's against Jonas Valanciunas, whether it's against Giannis, whether it's against LeBron, like Shingun does not care who he's going up against. And that is a great quality to have in a player that you want to see flourish and potentially turn into a star one day. But really impressed with Shingun. And then the defensive side of this, right? So much, so many layers to what Shingun was doing defensively, whether he was playing in drop and, and doing a good job, you know, trying to play at the level of the screen on certain shooters. Um, it was a little bit harder when CJ McCollum had it going in the second game, uh, but just hustling, being in the right spot to box out, breaking up certain plays, not not just allowing Valanciunas to post him up, right? There were moments where he would, you know, be on you know on Valanciunas's hip as he's looking for a post up opportunity. Oh god, he had the one super highlight real level play. Tipped the ball away from Valanciunas, recovered it, 
right? Stole the ball, essentially, and then goes coast to coast the length of the court and then just elevates. And, I mean, uh, talk about a coast to coast slam. Shingun barely, like, took off, like, if he had taken off, like, an inch sooner, I don't know if he would have made, I don't know if the ball would have gotten over the rim because he kind of, like, almost threw the ball in at the last second. But what it was such an exciting play and, and, and really like a, you know a momentum generating play for the Rockets. Shingun front kind of fronting Valanciunas, getting out, getting the steal, getting in transition, all of that. Um, his play in these couple games was really impressive. And then you get to the Sunday game, right? And he's not nearly his dominant self offensively. The Rockets didn't make it necessarily a point to get to those Shingun post-ups early in the game, which I really do enjoy when they try to make it a point to get Shingun and, and also Jabari involved a bit more early in these games because Jalen and Kevin can get their shots whenever they want over the course of a 48-minute game. Whereas with Shingun and Jabari, it feels like if you get them involved and incorporated in the offense early, then they're they're in their rhythm and you can kind of go back to them as the game is going on. Whereas if you don't get them involved early, then it's really hard to try to get them going like in the third quarter or late in the game in the fourth quarter. So Shangun, you know, not the best offensive performance Sunday, nine points, three of eight shooting mentioned that earlier, but he had six dimes and no turnovers. He was the Rockets best facilitator on the floor in that game Sunday. And KPJ did a solid job facilitating the ball, getting guys shots. Uh, the Rockets just couldn't hit anything. I mean, the Rockets were shooting so poorly from the floor. There were so, I mean, KPJ had a fantastic dive to Jay Sean Tate that he just like completely smoked off the glass, right? Should have been an easy layup right at the rim. One of the easiest layups Jay Sean Tate would have all season uh, compared to some of the ridiculous like sweeping sky hook lefty off the glass layups that he usually hits and he just completely whiffed it. So I, I, I you know, some, definitely some frustration there by the, by the Rockets guys not being able to hit certain shots, but overall a really encouraging back-to-back set of games against the Pelicans. Even though they lost the second one, they kind of found a way to fight back in it. A lot of positives to be taken from it. Jalen Green especially. Uh, Tari Eason continues to just be impressive. Not quite not quite as much in that second game against the Pels, but that first one, man, Tari off the bench. He had nine points on four of eight shooting, but he was a ridiculous team best plus 29. Plus 29 in, his, in the minutes that he was on the court, Right. I mean, the Rockets, Steven Silas was riding Tari in the fourth quarter and waited until really, really late in the game to sub Jabari Smith Jr. back in. And then thankfully he did sub Jabari back in because Jabari wound up hitting the game winner. But just goes to show you how impactful Tari Eason can be when he gets his reps, when he's on the when he's on the court. Tari makes things happen on the basketball court. He is a winning player through and through. So a lot to be proud of from these Houston Rockets over the weekend. With that, they did take an L most recently, which means we're going to hit the lottery simulator. And as we do that, it's been a while, but we've got to, got to, got to, got to here at the end of the episode. Pray for Victor. Pray for Victor. Put your hands together. Rub them together and pray one more time. Pray for Victor. I think it's going to land. I think it's going to land number three. I'm calling number three right now. So with that, let's spin it up and... Oh, wow. There we go. Oh, my. Rockets jump up to the number one spot. The pray for Victor actually worked this time around. So Rockets walk away with the number one pick. Congratulations, Victor Wimanyama. You are a member of the Houston Rockets. San Antonio Spurs get number two. Detroit, number three. Orlando, number four. Charlotte, number five. And now that there's an interesting debate as to whether or not Scoot Henderson is the consensus number two overall pick, who knows? Maybe the San Antonio Spurs would take... 
Brandon Miller, number two overall. Though I think if the Spurs get number two, they're definitely going with Scoot Henderson, which sends Brandon Miller to Detroit, which is a spot that suits him almost perfectly. Uh, Orlando then is stuck in trying to figure out who they take number four. Maybe it's Walker. Maybe they still go Thompson. Who knows? With that, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Give me your thoughts on the Jabari game winner. Give me your thoughts on the back-to-back stellar performances from Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, handling Jonas Valanciunas, all of that. In the YouTube comments, I read those every single day. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.